0: Welcome to Transformation Church, and we are uh, Christmas Eve, Sunday morning, and, man, we got a a lot of people traveling and and some people out of town, but we also have some guests, and so, man, we're excited to have you with us today here at TC. If it's your first time, we do want to welcome you, and we're honored that you chose to be with us today, and uh, so we want to get kind of into what we have for you, and today we're talking about the theme of our Christmas service uh, is When Heaven Touched Earth. Um, And that was a day that was forever changed. And how many guys have ever gotten one of those gifts that you didn't really want? Y'all know what I'm talking about? Like those, you're like, oh, thank you so much for this thing I'll never use. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Uh, We got some, I I know some people, I I can't say their names because... I'll get nasty Facebook messages, but I know some people, right? That's like, man, everyone will show up to do like a Santa Claus thing where everyone brings a different gift. And like, some people are bringing like gift certificates to like the best restaurants. And some people are, man, we're like so many people. And then some people are buying like BOGO tire coupons. And it's like, man, if you don't get out of here with the, anyways, so anyone ever got one of those gifts that you don't really care for? You know what I mean? How many of y'all gave it to somebody else the next year? Where y'all at? Uh-huh. We know, we know who you are right? Like, oh, this is going to be perfect to give back to you next year. That's what I'm going to do. Yes. Anyways, we're going to talk today about the moment that heaven touched earth and we all got the gift that nobody would ever return. Come on, somebody. like we, I said Jesus was a gift that no one would ever return. So man, we're going to jump right into what we have today. Take out your notes. Hopefully you got those on the way in the door. And man, when heaven touched Earth and we're going to cover five things, kind of the the five Ws or the you know the who what like uh, we w- we just want to focus on Jesus this morning because uh, Jesus I know we hear it all the time he's the reason for the season um, but he's also the greatest thing that we've ever had in our lives and if you don't know him man I want to encourage you that before you leave today man make sure that you have uh, met Jesus that he's your personal Lord and Savior you will never live a day regretting having Jesus in your life and so uh, we'll give you that opportunity here in a little bit but we want to talk about Jesus for just A little bit. Turn to your neighbor and say, When heaven touched earth. Now turn to the person on the other side, you just neglected, right? That person on the other side. Yeah, that person. When heaven touched earth. All right, let's get into it, guys. Five things we want to talk to you about that happened when heaven touched earth. Number one, uh, as we get straight into it, the first thing that happened when heaven touched earth is that innocence was identified. Innocence was identified. And then some of the things that people don't really realize is, is how number one, uh, cryptic, but at the same time, how strategic God is when he communicates things, even subliminally, even through messaging, like even through uh, showing us So he may show us something that he doesn't necessarily use words and this, this was a prime example that Jesus sent, or God sent Jesus. So what happens is, is that God looks at Jesus and he, he sends him to this earth. We'll get to that in a minute. And when he sends him to this earth, what was happening is that the Jews at the time, the Israeli people, all the, they, were, they were looking for a Messiah, right? They were looking for a king. They had been prophesied for, for decades and, and for centuries that there was gonna be a king that was gonna come. So they're looking for this king and they can't wait for him. And, and so as you can imagine, if someone told you that a king was coming, and he was going to do something great for you, you would be looking for a kingdom. You would be looking for a palace. You'd be looking for this great thing. And, and then all of a sudden, uh, it's not this great thing. It's this baby in a manger. And so they, they were all like, um, this isn't what I had in mind when we were talking about a king. And uh, innocence is such a, it's such a thing, man. How many guys have ever seen a, a baby when it was just born? Well, not when it was just born, but, you know, like after it was cleaned up and, it was put behind the glass where all the sketchy people stand and look at all of the people's babies. you know what I'm talking about. Like you can look through the window and you know, and then you find someone you're like, which one is yours? And he's like, none of them. And it's like this dude, y'all better get him out of here. <laughs> no, but I mean, innocence, there's an innocence to a baby, right? And how many, how many guys have ever held a baby? Maybe it was a family member. Maybe it was yours, right? And you're like, man, this is the most beautiful thing in the world. In reality, it just looks like a potato. You know what I'm talking about? Like, and it, it kind of just looks like every other baby, you know, we all like, we like to think our baby is special, but it kind of, you know, I went back and looked at baby pictures of Jabin when he was just born. I'm like, this looks like every other child, you know what I mean? Like, but he was more beautiful because he was mine. But there's an innocence, right, to an infant. There's an innocence to a baby. But one of the things that was communicated through the innocence that was found in this baby wasn't just that the innocence came by nature because how many guys are like, he hadn't had a chance to sin yet. Jesus hadn't had a chance to like disobey his father or his mother yet. Like he hadn't had a chance to sneak out of the house yet where y'all people would be teenagers. Y'all know like he hadn't had a chance to do any of those things yet. Like, he, so there was innocence that was found in Jesus and who Jesus was and what Jesus came to accomplish. And, and so God didn't send... Jesus as a king so that he could rule, he sent him innocent as a baby so that we could see that when we get to come to Jesus, right? And so what we see is that Jesus came as innocence, as a baby in a manger, but that was a message to us so that we could see that if we could put our life in the one that came in the manger, that we could become as innocent as the one who came to give his life. In other words, we get to live in innocence if we put our life in the hands of the one that came in innocence, we don't get to get judged for our sin. We don't have to get passed on all of those things when we give our life to Jesus Christ. And how many of you guys know that was a glorious day when heaven touched earth and God gave us a way out of the consequences of sin and death? Where y'all at? Come. Like, how many of y'all know that was a great day? I don't know what the rest of y'all are doing, but it was a great day when that happened. And so Jesus comes uh, as a baby with innocence. And so Luke 1, 31, 35 kind of lays this story out to us. So the angel is talking to, to Mary. and says, you will conceive and give birth to a son and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of most high. His kingdom will never end. Mary says, how will this be? Since I'm a virgin, the angel answered and said, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the most high will overshadow you. So the holy one to be born will be called the son of God. And what a time, what a moment when heaven touched earth and and when everything that was heaven everything that was encompassed in heaven everything that heaven is was fully fulfilled in Jesus and in the trinity and the holy spirit and god and, and everything that was Jesus came and was born into this world and as he was born into this world gave us new hope that there was going to be an end to sickness and to disease and into uh, to pain and suffering but how many guys are looking forward to the day where we get to see Jesus face to face and how many guys know that all of that came in the moment where heaven touched earth and so innocence was identified number two love was lavished love was lavished in in such such an amazing way and man talking about love I love my wife my wife is amazing um and so we have this we do this thing every year right where um where she tells me uh what she wants for Christmas but I didn't realize maybe maybe like man we've been you know Eight years in, and maybe I didn't realize, I I, I missed out on a few things along the way. And so, ladies, if y'all could help us out with something. Um, When y'all say that you only want one thing for Christmas, if you tell a man that, guess what you're getting? You're getting one, one thing. So here's what I didn't realize. Me and my wife, we sat down a few months ago. We don't, you know, we're not big. Like, we don't go into debt for Christmas. If you go into debt for Christmas, you already missed a point. But anyway, that's not a totally different message. So, man, we, we don't like going into debt for Christmas. So we just looked at each other. And we said, listen, let's just buy each other one gift, right? We're going to buy each other one thing. Um, and then that's just going to kind of be, like, how we do Christmas with each other. And you're like, yeah, absolutely. That's, how, okay, great, perfect. So, um, you know. She goes out and buys me something, and I buy her something. And because she, she like, we agreed, right? We're buying one thing. What I didn't realize, and fellas, take notes. I'm trying to help y'all out a little bit because I, I missed it, and so I'm trying to help y'all not miss it too, all right? That what the ladies really mean is that you're going to buy one present that's the present, then there's like five auxiliary gifts, yeah. right, that kind of go... So I was sitting at the house the other day, and I was like, man, there's a lot of presents under our tree. And I'm like, man, who are we buying gifts for? You know? And uh, so I started looking around, and I'm like, man, that's mine. That's mine. That's mine. That's mine. That's mine. I said, baby, where the, I thought we said we were getting each other one. Yeah, I, I know. We, I got you, like, the main gift, but then I got you all these other ones, too. And she said, I know you got me some, too. And I was like, well, you know I did, you know. You know I did, and so yesterday I had to go to Target. Uh, Listen, don't, don't do that. Two days before Christmas, don't ever do that. It's not worth it, you know. So I, I went into Target and I had to wait in the line, trying 436 people. And she, call, she called me and the gas out of the bag now, she already knows, so I, like this ain't a secret. So she called me, I came to prayer yesterday morning, 9 a.m. and then went and got my hair cut. And so then afterwards I had, I stopped by Target to pick up these auxiliary gifts that apparently we didn't agree on, but were completely necessary, right? And so I went to go pick them up. She called me, she's like, what are you doing? And I was like, "Uh, nothing, what are you doing? You know, try to flip the script back on. her. like, what are you doing? And uh, she says, where are you? And I said, oh, you know, I had to pick up a few things. I had to run some errands. Um, and so I went and got, and then she called me out when I got home. She, you went to Target to give me some gifts. You. I was like, no. But I love my wife, man. I do. I love my wife. And, and, and the love that I have for her, it, listen, is nothing compared to the love that God has for us. And, man, I want you to, to understand something that happened, man, when heaven came down and it touched earth, is that this love that God has for us was lavish upon us in such a way that God looked at us. You see, what you have to understand, and, and maybe you, this is your first time in church, maybe you've been in church for a long time, you you never heard this part before, but what you have to understand is, how many of us ever messed up before? Where are you guys at? Where are we at? Where are we at? Messed up, got a long list, right? Rap sheet, you know what I'm talking about? Turn left, turn, you know. so, like, man, just messed up, we blew it, man, we've got stuff on our past. All of those things, whether it's one thing or whether it's a hundred things, those things separate us from God. And because sin is in our life, there is no possible way that we could ever commune with him. We could never spend time. We could never be next to him. Why? Because sin has separated us from God. So what God decided to do is he said, I want them so much to be able to be next to me. I want them so much to have time with me. I want them so much to be able to love me and for me to love them and to spend eternity with them that he said, I'm going to love them in a way That I'm going to allow heaven to touch earth when a baby would be born that years later was going to make a way for them to not have to pay the consequences of sin and death that they have in their life, that I have in my life, that you have in your life, that we have in our life. We're not going to have to pay the price for it, but we're going to make a way that I can pay the price so that they can see me in eternity when it's all said and done. And it all came from the moment when heaven touched earth. And Jesus was born in a manger. The love was lavish. John 3:16. Many of you know this verse. It says, "For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but would have eternal life." And what an opportunity that God gave us through Jesus Christ. It was born in a manger. Number three, the third thing that we want you to know about when heaven touched earth is that an era ended. An era ended. And so when we go back to the book of Daniel and the book of Isaiah, we look at a number of different areas. We see in the book of Daniel and there was a prophecy that came forward. Right? So this prophecy comes forward and they talked about a day was coming where sin would be abolished. A day was coming where righteousness would reign. Like a day was coming. So they, they would proclaim a day and they even gave a time frame. We don't have time to go into all that today, but they give a time frame, like 500 years, roughly uh, given. And so they start talking about it. And what was happening is that there was this era where, where uh, the is- Israelites were in control of their domain. Like they had control and even King David was there. And so the Jewish people, they had uh, everything. God was blessing them. They had everything they were getting. For and then all of this era and then what started to happen is that Rome and everyone else started to step in and the government started to turn, right? And Israel was still their own people, but the government started saying, as it started to turn, we started to see that different people were in control, and so what was happening is they were losing the foundation and they were losing the over of who they were. They were losing their identity. And so they had to hold true to their identity in God, who they were as God's people. But what had to happen is an era ended where they step in. I think Isaiah nine lays it out perfectly where they talk about this. It says, for to us, so this is, this is prophesying what is going to come, you with me? So this is like, this is years earlier. This is going to come for to us, a child is born to us, a son is given and the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. Of the greatness of his, gov- of the, his government and peace, there will be no end. And then it says this, it's my favorite part. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and and righteousness from that time on and forever and so he steps in and and so what happens is we see that David's throne and David was the king of Israel for a long time, but then, like I said, Rome started taking over power, the Romans started taking over power, and all those things started to shift, and what they were proclaiming is that a, new, a son was coming, a child was going to be born that was going to turn the table of authority back on its head and that he was going to take dominion and control over everything and everyone that would belonged into God's camp. Everyone that was God's people, Jesus was going to take control. Now, what they didn't understand then is that they were looking for a literal king. They were looking for a king that literally wore a crown. They were looking for a king that literally had a temple. They were looking for a king that literally owned the land that had people. What they weren't looking for was a baby that was going to be born in a manger. But that baby came up to be the king of kings, not just the king of land. He wasn't just the king of a temple. He wasn't just the king of a palace. He was the king of all kings. And now he owns dominion over not just land, not just property, but over us. When heaven touched earth, an era ended where it wasn't about kingdoms as much as it was about a king. And Jesus, being the king, gets to save us and take us to an eternal kingdom where we get to be with him forever. And so an era ended. The next one is that the insignificant was made significant. The insignificant was made significant. How many guys are like watching like TV shows where y'all like, you know, like watching TV, Netflix? I know some of y'all, I see y'all, on, see y'all on Facebook, taking selfies and showered in four days binge watching Netflix with Cheetos. I see you. Don't think I don't see you. And so one of the things that uh, we learned, like they talk about in some of the shows um, that, that people watch is that there's a term called foreshadowing. Anybody know what that means? Foreshadowing. And what it means is, is foreshadowing is what they would do is they would show you a different picture that, that was an indication of what was gonna happen later. Right, so it was like they would show like a swarm of ants all moving around and the opening scene. But then the final scene of the show would be a swarm of people. And it was like foreshadowing what was coming. You guys with me? Like you're picking up what I'm throwing down. So it's foreshadowing. And and I think God did that so well throughout all of the Bible. And one of the things that we see him doing is when he made the insignificant, significant, because what happened was again, they were looking for a King. They were looking for a Messiah. They were looking for a savior. They were looking for, uh, they were looking for someone. And what happened is he sent a baby. He sent something insignificant. He sent someone that didn't look like had any power and he didn't send him to a palace, right? He sent him to a manger. Like he, he, so he didn't send him to all the areas that, that the Israel people thought that he was going to come through. They, he didn't send him there. He sent him to the lowest of the low. He sent him into an insignificant place. And in the foreshadowing, what happened is that God took something that seemed insignificant and made it so very significant. He took someone that looked like had no power and he gave him all the power. He took someone that was born in a manger and he took him to the palace. He t- took someone that looks so insignificant and with a foreshadowing is that he was gonna do the exact same thing throughout the next 2,000, 3,000 years as he would take someone like me, who seems so insignificant, but he would make him so significant. And he would take someone like you and give the opportunity to be so go from so insignificant to becoming so significant that your life seems like it has no purpose, but God can give it so much purpose. It would seem like your life has no meaning, but he could give it so much meaning. He could take you where you may have been in a pit, you may have been in a palace, You may have been a problem, but how many guys know that no matter where we came from in life, it was never where God wanted us to be before we met Jesus. But then when he gave us the opportunity to meet Jesus, when we had that and we connected to the Savior and he transformed our life, he took the insignificant and he made it significant. And man, what happened when heaven touched earth is God took something that seemed like nothing and he changed the world. The exact same thing he wants to do in our life. Take you, who you may feel like nothing. You may seem like nothing. You may feel like your life is going nowhere. And you may feel so insignificant to the world around you. But God can give you purpose so that you can become significant in your life. So he makes you significant. Galatians 4. Four and five says this, but when the set time had fully come. So that drives back the point that we talked about in Daniel, and we'll get into that at another time. But in Daniel, where they uh, prophesied the amount of time that was going to take place before the king would come. And so when the set time had fully come, God sent his son born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to Sonship. Turn to your neighbor and say adoption. That we receive adoption. Now this is important. I want you guys to understand this because there's so much going on right here. But when the set time had fully come, so when the prophecy had been fulfilled and we step into this, the set time had fully come, God sent his son. So God's son born of a woman. So this is why it's significant because Jesus was man in the flesh. Turn to your neighbor and say he was man. Oh, that was pitiful. I so said, turn to your neighbor and say he was man. So he was man. So he was born in the flesh, right? So he was born of a woman born under the law. Why does that matter? Because in my life, how many guys, again, where y'all at? Like that's messed up before? You got some stuff that you want, like you would rather people not, if we rolled your life on a screen, you would cower in the corner at what everyone had to see. Y'all know what I'm talking about? So, so Jesus came and he was born under the law, but why did he have to be born under the law? Because he had to be born under the law because we could never fulfill the law. In other words, people come to us all the time. And they say, pastor, but Jesus came and he abolished the law. Not true. Jesus never abolished the law. He fulfilled the law. like He completed the law. Why? Because he knew we could never be good enough to complete it. And so everywhere we failed, everywhere we messed up, everywhere that we weren't good enough, everywhere that we let God down, Jesus steps in and he makes up the difference. We could never be good enough to own it. We could never have enough right actions. We could never hold enough doors for people. We could never open up. We could never spend enough money to help someone out. We could never go and do enough mission trips. We could never serve servant of a TC We can never do any of those things that would justify us getting into heaven. But what happened is because we knew we messed up, God knew we messed up, and we were born into sin. He sent Jesus, and Jesus didn't abolish the law so that we didn't have to fulfill it. He fulfilled the law so that when we miss it, he's already made up for it. And I don't know about you guys, man, but I miss it sometimes. Now I know all y'all got it together. Some of y'all are shaking your head, yes, like, I am, you know, kind of a big deal. So, but Jesus came and was born under the law. In other words, he was born and never sinned, never failed. Why is that important? Because he had to redeem those under the law, which is me, which is you, us. We're under the law, but we failed. And because we failed at the law, someone who perfected it had to step in and pay the price for our failure that we could never pay for ourselves. So because Jesus had completed it, he had fulfilled the law, he came in. And when he went to the cross, he paid the price because the payment for our sin, the payment for us was death. We were gonna spend an eternal death in hell but God wanted us so badly that he sent his son to pay the price for us and he fulfilled the law why that we might receive adoption to sonship which brings me to my last point which is the next one and that's that when heaven touched earth the gift had been given the prophecy was fulfilled man the era had ended and so when heaven touched earth, innocence uh, was identified, love was lavish, and the era ended, the insignificant was made uh, significant, and then the gift had been given. God gave us this gift. And, and the gift, what was so beautiful about the gift is that the gift was something that we didn't, how many guys know that when Jesus came on our scene, he gave us what we didn't even know that we needed? And that is the beauty of the gift, is that God looked at us in our frailty, in our mess-ups, in our area where we didn't even realize how bad we were. God gave us a gift that transformed us into exactly who he wanted us to be. And so the gift had been given. Let's go back to Galatians 4, and we're going to read the next two verses, 6 and 7. It says, because you are his son's. So what we're looking at is we fulfilled the scripture, right? So now we've been adopted into sonship. And now, because you are his sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. The spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. And here it is. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And how many guys remember the time? And I remember I remember when I was in my sin and I was in my stuff and I was messing up. And man, I, I remember it was almost like something was driving me. Like Paul said, man, I find myself not doing the things that I wanna do and I find myself doing the things that I don't wanna do. And how many guys remember the, man, that time in your life where it was almost like sin owned you? Like it was something was driving you to make these decisions. It was something that you couldn't even, as bad as you wanted to be good, you couldn't be good because there was something just driving you to this place of desperately needing God in your life. And, and so here we see that, so now you are no longer a slave. The, you're not, you're not encaptured by sin. You're not con- contained by hell. You're not brought in. You're not owned by what's happening, right? You're not being driven like a slave to continue to walk out sin and walk out death and walk out eternity without God. But now you're God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. Turn to your neighbor and say An heir that God has made you an heir. And I think this part right here is where we see the gift, right? Because God gives us a gift who is Jesus. So heaven touches earth. We receive this gift, but we receive a temporary gift that leads to an eternal heir. So we get to walk free from the penalty of sin in our lives through this gift. But then we receive this ultimate gift, this big gift. And what is that? It is that God was not going to leave heaven and come to earth. So he had to allow heaven to touch earth, let a baby be born so that a baby could become a savior. So that that savior could give us adoption into sonship so that our adoption into sonship could make us an heir to the throne of Jesus. And man, what an opportunity that we have that we get to walk out exactly what God had for us because he loved us so much that he sends Jesus to pay a price. And mean, it's so hard for me to not, I, 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 Romans five, Romans eight, all of those are just such my favorite chapters of the Bible where it talks about Jesus and his love for us and his payment for us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us And we often talk about what Jesus did on the cross, but oftentimes we fail to see what God did as a father, that he looked at us from heaven. He looked into the future, he looked into the present, and he saw that you, that I, that we were going to need a savior. As good as I've ever tried to be, it wasn't good enough to earn the grace that Jesus has afforded to me. And so Jesus goes to the cross, but God sends a son. And let me tell you right now, I could honestly say that I, I would hope, and you've probably heard pastors say this before, I would hope that I would be able to lay my life down for any one of you if the situation ever came up. If something were to happen, I, I wish, I, I, I like to think that I would say that I could lay my life down for any of you. I know that I would lay my life down, but I would tell you right now that I would never lay my son's life down for you. That's something that I would never choose to endure you're out of luck. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I would never send my son. But when heaven touched earth, the beautiful moment was that God wanted us so badly that he sent his son as the ransom for many. And God loves you today. And maybe this is your, maybe you've never been in church before. Maybe it's the first time you ever hear about it. Maybe you've been in church for 30 years. I don't know. But there's the beauty of the gospel is this, is that yes, Christmas is about Jesus being born, but Jesus was born on a mission. Jesus was born with a purpose. And that was that he would go to Calvary. that, That is that he would go to the cross and that he would die perfect so that the imperfect, which is me and you could be made perfect in him. And Jesus goes to the cross and and with it, he takes my sin and my shame. He takes your sin and your shame. And My theology tells me this, which is a big word for understanding God. It tells me this, that when Jesus went to the cross, he didn't go to the cross without an understanding of who he was paying for. I believe and the scripture tells us that he went to the cross knowing exactly who he paid for. Which means that when Jesus was born, he lived a life knowing his mission was to pay a price. And that when he paid the price, your face was on his mind. I mean, what an opportunity to come and realize that you're not an accident, that where you've been through in life hasn't been out, man, that God is right here, right now, and he's ready to bring you into sonship, into daughtership. He's ready to adopt you spiritually into the kingdom of God. And all you gotta do is give your heart to him today, that when heaven touched earth, he did it to make a way for you. So let's bow our heads today and close our eyes. And maybe you're in this place today. You say, Pastor, and I, 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 uh, I'm not a terrible person, or maybe I am a terrible. I, I mean, my life is all I know is I need Jesus in my life. And no matter where you're at today, I want you to know that Heaven touched Earth, and He touched Earth for one reason, and that was that He could redeem those that are lost, that He could buy you back. Sin separated you from God, but Jesus is here to bring you back close to him again. And if you're in this place and you see Pastor Brad, I, man, I, I need Jesus in my life. I need him to save me. My sin still controls me and my my heart and my mind are still eaten up by things of this world, but I want to put my faith in Jesus. I want to be saved today. I want my eternity to be locked in. I want to know that my eternity is to be with Jesus and I want to follow him for the rest of my life. If that's you today and you want to give your heart to Jesus and you maybe you feel right now that there's something tugging on the inside of you. There's something your heart is moving. You're saying, man, I need to get my life right, but you can never get your life right you need Jesus to get your life right he's here and he wants to do that for you and so if that's you today I'm not going to come to you I'm not going to point you out I want to pray for you today I'm not going to embarrass you you say I want Jesus to take control of my life and I want to be saved today if that's you would you just raise your hand want to give my life to Jesus. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Hands are going up. God bless you. Once you put it up, you can put it down. Again, I'm not coming to you. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to point you out. Is there anyone else you want to give your heart to Jesus today? You want to be saved. I want to put my faith in him. What we want to do, even if you're watching us on live stream, we're going to pray today. And I want you to repeat this prayer after me. And this prayer is not going to make you saved. This prayer is going to make a confession out of your mouth of what you're already believing in your heart. And that is that when Jesus went to the cross, he paid the price for your sins that you could never pay for yourself. And so Jesus, your faith in Christ is what makes you safe. So we repent, we turn away from our sin, not to go back, but then we put our faith in Jesus knowing that he saved us. So repeat this after me and the whole church is gonna repeat it with you so you're not by yourself. Say, dear Jesus, forgive me. Forgive me of my sins, forgive me of my wrongs. Make me clean, make me pure, make me whole. I believe you lived a perfect life. You died on the cross. And that you resurrected. And that through your life, through your death, and through your resurrection, I can be saved. I believe in you. I want to follow you the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Church, put your hands together for all those that prayed that perhaps the very first time.